Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. (laughs) Fish Trap, written by Alexandra Elroy. Narrated by Justin Fife. Dan thought he'd hit the jackpot when he found his new place. He wanted something near the city center, but not right next to the road. Something new, without leaky pipes or rotten foundations. Besides, old houses freaked him out. With his limited budget and student debts, he never expected to find something. Then he was accepted for a new housing project he'd signed up for. It was a new block of houses built on the old parking lot of an abandoned hospital. They built the houses first, and would either demolish the hospital later, or put some luxury apartments in there. He wasn't sure. What he did know was that rent was ridiculously cheap. It was in what they called an up-and-coming neighborhood that didn't have a great reputation. Dan's guess was that they were attracting young professionals to make the area look good, and then amp up the rent as far as they could once the place gained popularity. But that was future Dan's problem. Right now, he'd finally found a pretty large new home in the inner city, and it was time to get a companion in his lonely life. Soon after Dan moved into his new place, he got a cat. There was a lot of green around the house before you got to the busy local streets, so a cat would be quite happy running around out there, he figured. 
Oscar was a rotund, mottled gray Tom, with a self-satisfied smirk and a lazy disposition. He was a rescue of about four years old. The area around the house suited him just fine for roaming, exploring, and murdering rodents. Oscar was dead set on certain routines. He'd soon figured out that Dan would generally get home from work on the 7 p.m. bus. At 7.05 on the dot, Oscar would come down from the hill where he played and greet Dan at the door. He would demand dinner, and half an hour later, he would meow for his water bowl to be refreshed. After his drink, Oscar would jump on Dan's lap and circle a few times before curling up and falling asleep. Then, Dan started working late. His boss had refused to extend a colleague's contract and assumed that Dan would pick up both jobs until they found a replacement. Dan hated the extra chores, but his own contract evaluation was coming up and he didn't want to tempt fate. When he reached his front door at 8.05 p.m., Oscar was sitting by the door as always, glaring at Dan with a hateful scowl. I'm sorry, buddy, Dan murmured as he opened the door to let Oscar in. I'll get you an extra bowl full, okay? Oscar ate precisely his normal amount of dinner and left the bonus kibble untouched. He did not sleep on Dan's lap that evening. The next night was roughly the same, Dan not coming home until late and Oscar glowering even more. The third time Dan got to the front door late, he saw no Oscar at all. When Oscar still hadn't shown up at 9pm, Dan went out to look for him. Oscar's favorite hangout was down a set of stairs by the old hospital building. There was a narrow, overgrown alley next to the building's basement. The bushes hid mouse families and even some rats that Oscar loved to terrorize. Dan made his way up the hill. It was later than usual, and two bats were flapping and swooping around his head. Dan liked bats, but he hated creepy situations. Walking up to abandoned hospitals in the dark with bats flying around was not something he was fond of doing right before bed, where he would be alone with his nightmares. Oscar! He yelled, but no cat. Dan could just imagine Oscar sitting still until he was found, ignoring him out of spite. Then the lazy lump would let himself be picked up and he'd purr royally while he was carried home, like a spoiled furry prince. Dan went down the creaking metal stairs and sure enough, there was Oscar, staring intently at a dark hollow in the grove near the basement windows of the hospital. He blatantly ignored Dan's call. As Dan came closer, he heard a low growl come from deep within Oscar's throat. Hey, buddy, you spot a rat down there? Dan said as he wrapped his arms around Oscar. Oscar snuggled into Dan, but kept staring intently at the grove. Dan could vaguely hear the sound of a baby crying, or maybe a young child. He looked at the hospital building. They were probably renting out some rooms to underprivileged parents to prevent squatting. That happened a lot in projects like these. Come on, Oscar. Let's stop you loitering near the scary hospital with the bats and the scary nighttime baby cries, shall we? Dan got to his front door and shifted Oscar's weight to one arm so that he could reach into his pocket to grab his key. Suddenly, Oscar startled and dug his claws deep into Dan's skin. Dan yelped and dropped Oscar, who dashed off into the dark. Damn it, Oscar! Come here! He yelled, 
but the cat was gone. You're pretty fast for a fat furball, Dan grumbled, cradling his scratched arm. He went to find Oscar, but he was nowhere to be seen. Fine. Sleep outside then, stupid cat. Dan walked back home. But Dan couldn't bring himself to lock his cat out. Instead, he sat by the window, looking outside and waiting. It was a good hour before Oscar finally came ambling down the hill, looking extremely content. When Dan opened the door and Oscar rubbed his head against his leg, he saw that Oscar had something in his mouth. Whatever it was, it was dark and slimy. Dan bent down annoyed. Aw man, what did you catch? It's not one of those bats, is it? He grabbed Oscar by the scruff of the neck and hoisted his head up. It was a fish. Where the hell did you find that? There are no rivers or ponds here, Dan mumbled. He tried to dislodge the fish from Oscar's mouth, but Oscar held it firm and growled softly. Fine, Dan sighed. Keep it, eat it, whatever. Just don't bring it to my bed tomorrow morning. From that day on, Oscar started a new routine. Instead of waiting at the door, Oscar would sit by the hospital basement, staring at the grove, until Dan came to pick him up and carry him home. Dan spotted a growing number of fish bones scattered around the little alley where Oscar sat. When Dan came home early, he'd be on time to see Oscar in the process of wolfing down the slimy black scaly things as if there was no tomorrow. About a month after Oscar brought his first fish home, Dan didn't manage to get back until midnight. His old colleague had asked him out for a drink. With a passing concern for Oscar, Dan decided to go. When he finally got home, Dan walked up the hill to the stairs leading to the alley by the hospital basement to pick up Oscar as usual. He peered down into the alley, but Oscar was nowhere to be seen. All he saw was an eerie pile of fish bones glistening in the faint streetlights. Oscar? Dan called, his voice sounding dead in the musty alley. I'm here, buddy. I'm sorry. Where are you? Then he heard a faint, plaintive meow. He looked around, searching the shadows and corners. There it was again. It came from a dark hollow in the plants by the wall of the hospital basement, the spot that Oscar had been staring at into all those weeks. Dan sighed. Do you really have to explore every old where? He kneeled by the grove and called Oscar's name again. There was a plaintive meowing. Don't tell me you got stuck in there. Dan pushed a few branches out of the way. It was wider than he thought. Carefully crawling forward, he checked where the tunnel led. Ah, crap, he mumbled. At the end of the tunnel, there was an open window. Dan heard the meow again, slightly louder this time. He wriggled his way into the window. It looked wide enough for him to fit through. It was dark, and the basement was full of junk and old medical equipment. Then, he noticed a faint light inside. Was it that family whose baby he'd heard a month earlier? No baby now, just another meow. Hello? No answer. The light showed a narrow path through the junk. The window gave way easily, and Dan slipped in. He had to crawl rather than walk, climbing over stacks of old hospital beds, wheelchairs, and broken machinery. There was the meow again, very close by. He spotted the green eyes of Oscar reflected in the distant light 
a little way off. Oscar, here, buddy? Oscar was laying on his side. He lazily blinked at Dan, but stayed where he was. Dan sighed and wriggled forward, pushing boxes of files and chamber pots out of his way. His path was getting narrow. One hand forward to grab Oscar. Almost there. Dan was stuck, just inches away from Oscar. He couldn't move forward at all. He kicked his legs, but he couldn't even move back from where he came from. Ow! His arms stung sharply. He wrenched his head back and saw a rusty syringe sticking out of the trash and into his skin. As panic started to overcome Dan, Oscar got up, stretched and looked to the side. He started purring and lifted up his tail. Then an arm appeared, picking up Happy Oscar. Who is that? Can you help me out? Hey! Dan started kicking and pushing, cutting and pricking himself more and more on mystery items hiding in the tight tunnel of mess. Suddenly, the lights went out. What have we got, Dr. Death? Hillary sighed. The police always called her Dr. Death whenever they came to her with a case. She scowled at the detective and pointed her pen at the mangled body on her table. Definitely the work of the fish trap killer. He lures his victims down into a place near their home and gets them stuck, like a fish swimming into a trap and being unable to reverse back out. After that, well, there you go. She pointed at some particularly gruesome bits of mutilation on the corpse. The detective tutted. That's strange. How so? Well, the detective said, the fish trap killer usually targets parents. First, he sets up shop in an abandoned building near a residential area. Then, he spends ages building up his elaborate traps. Then, he befriends a young child while it's playing outside, giving them treats and stuff. After a few weeks, he gets them to come to his hideout. Their crying lures in the parents who think the kids are stuck. Interestingly, he lets the kids go afterwards. He's only after the adults. In fact, we found another body in the same spot, about a month old. The mother of a toddler. We found the kid just wandering around the streets a few days ago. So, why is it strange? Hillary asked. The detective wrinkled his eyebrows. This victim is called... Daniel Smith. He doesn't even have a partner, let alone a kid. So how did the killer lure him down into that abandoned hospital? Hospital. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Fish Trap was written by one of our regular narrators, Alexander Elroy, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Carter Hughes, and music by Eternal Sushi and Tom Robson. It's time to pick the next themes. It's that time again. We've rocked possessed objects, shattered some deities, are streaming through some super psycho serial killers right now, and now it comes down to you to choose what the next three volumes will be for The Other Stories. 
We've got loads of categories here. We've got the ocean, parasites, virtual reality, road trip, vampires, and a ton more. So go to www.facebook.com, search for Hawk and Cleaver, and join the group and vote to determine the future of the show. Until next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.